Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, hey everyone, thank you for tuning in today to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan, and I serve as the Connections Pastor here at Journey. This past Sunday, we we started a new series uh, called Made for This. Been hugely impactful, uh, impactful already in just the first week. It was based on Ephesians two ten, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Pastor Christian, this week your message was titled "Be Transformed." As we jump into the message, man, I really hope we can help activate some people in their faith today. Uh, you know, last week you spent time in the first message, um, your your t- message titled "Knowing God." Uh, helping us to understand the difference between knowing God and, and truly uh, how to truly know God. You, you started off the, this message with the truth from 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite verses, and it's so important. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. You know, first question as we, we get started today, how should that verse help a person to examine their own heart as they think about their own salvation? Well, you know, so the Apostle Paul will end this letter to the Corinthians by asking them to do what you've just said. He'll say in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that a person ought to examine himself or herself to see whether or not they're in the faith. They ought to test themselves to see whether or not they're in the faith. And he said, I'm sure you'll find you are unless you aren't. And then if you aren't, you you need to get into the faith. What we talked about a little bit on Sunday was was the gap between this this truth and this reality, uh, meaning if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Um, the old is gone, the new has come. Tremendous, tremendous spiritual truth. Does it happen overnight? Doesn't appear to, at least with the church at Corinth, because in in First Corinthians chapter three, we know Paul's writing at least eighteen to twenty four months after he started the church, after these people had become Christians. So it'd been two years since these people had surrendered their heart uh, to Jesus. And Paul says, man, in two years, you haven't grown at all. He calls them brothers and sisters, so we know they're Christians. He just said, you're Christians that still act like the world. Um, so to the same church, he would later write, if you're in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. Well, it, it can't be immediately, at least not for them. Um, and I And I think sometimes in today's Christianity, we want to, at least I do, I, I want to fast forward the process of discipleship in my life. I want to fast forward the process of discipleship with those I lead. I want to fast forward the process of discipleship with our church. Um, but when you realize that Jesus walked and talked and taught every day for three years with his disciples, and at the end of those three years, the apostle Peter had grown so much that on the night Jesus needed him most, he's like, yeah, I don't know the guy. I mean, he didn't even, didn't even have the guts to acknowledge, I know that man. We see that discipleship is a lifelong journey. We see that knowing God is a lifelong journey. We see that being transformed is a lifelong journey. But where there is zero change, where there is zero desire for change, where there is zero push for change, you know, you, you have to wonder, you know, if you say, I have a, I have a heart for God, but I'm unwilling to change anything. I'm unwilling to surrender anything. You have to wonder if people have really come to the cross. And like Abraham laid Isaac on the altar, if they've really laid all of their life, all of 
all of their relationships, all of their future, all their past on the altar and said, God, everything I have is yours. I only want it back in the way that you want to give it to me. Um, if you're unwilling to even experience new life and let go of old, you've probably not made a commitment to follow Jesus. You, you may have a, a wish to have the eternal life Jesus gives. You may have a desire to be forgiven like Jesus forgives. But if you're unwilling for anything old to go and anything new to come, um, you probably have not really surrendered your life to Jesus. And Paul tells the church at Corinth, when you come to Christ, old things should go, new things should come. And then he says at the end of the book, and you should test yourself to make sure that's the journey that you're on. And he said, I'm sure you'll pass the test. Unless you don't, then if you don't, you probably need to go back to the beginning and make sure you have a proper commitment to Jesus in your moment of salvation. This was actually a verse that helped me a lot as I was a new believer. I knew, even though it took me a little while, I knew that the old thing, the old things that I did, I didn't want to do anymore. I may still struggle right. and I would fail at times, but there was definitely something new in me. I, I recognized the old was gone. I had to keep killing it sometimes, right. but I knew the new was here and I, I wanted to live and be transformed. Yeah. And, and whether you look at the list in first John, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, those things, those are old. Those have to go. Whether you look at our list in this message from Acts chapter 15, keeping yourself from idols, you know, stop stopping living selfishly, what we call those fellowship busters. It's all about me. Um, so I'm not going to care how I impact anyone else uh, or sexual immorality that we talked about. I mean, all of those, all of those things are old things in the life of a Christian that have to be made new through Jesus to look like Jesus, live like Jesus, love like Jesus, carry out the mission that Jesus has called us to. Yeah, we're going to unpack a few of those things uh, here a little bit later. Um, that kind of leads into our next question. This message, as you said, it's it's about a gap in the lives of people who call themselves Christians and our transformation. And the scripture reference you use from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 is so convicting. And then you follow it up with a statement, the world is filled with Christians who do not yet look like Jesus Christ, beginning with me and you. What do you, what do you think that gap says to a world that has mostly rejected God and rejected Jesus? Well, you know, first I have to look at the gap in my own life between who Jesus is and who I am. And I think there's, there's two ways for the world to look at that. Uh, if I approach that humbly, if I approach that with a repentant spirit, if I, if I approach that with a desire to be more like Jesus, and, and if I'm honest in, in the humility um, of I've got a long way to go, um, I think the, the world can look at that gap and it can be something attractive to them because they can say, hey man, I've got things in my life I need to get better too. If I look at that gap and ignore it, and they're aware of it, and I'm aware of it, but I don't seem to care about it, then you become the Christian, you know, like that, like Gandhi referenced. Gandhi said, show me a Christian that act like Christ and I'll consider becoming one. Um, you know, it's not Jesus. It's the followers of Jesus that turn so many people off. And I think that's where, you know, sometimes the charge of hypocrisy is, is overused. People want to reject Jesus. And that just seems to be a good reason why. Um, but sometimes it can certainly be a stumbling block and a hindrance. Like we read about in Romans seven and like, you know, like we talk about in, in this message where, um, you know, they, they, when, when you talk about a lot of people who find themselves in the atheism or the agnostic camp, they struggle between two realities that, that Christians believe. One, that God is, is good. And two, that God is powerful. 
Because when they see sin in the world, uh, when they see evil in the world, when they see brokenness in the world, they say one of those things can't be true. Um, either God is not powerful enough to stop that, or he is, but he didn't, which means he's not as good as you say he is. And a lot of people look at those two truths, and because they can't figure out how God is both good and powerful, they say, man, because I don't see how those things go together, I have a hard time placing my faith um, in your God. I think in Christianity, when when you say, I have a Jesus who looks like, loves like, lives like, teaches like this, and he's asked me to follow him, and then I don't, I think a lost world looks at us and says, well, if you, re- if you really believed what you said, you would look a whole lot more like the guy you're following. And if you don't, then why should I? Like, if, if you don't believe in the guy enough to change your life, and you're one of his followers, why should I think that me believing in him would change my life? So I, I, th- I, think, it, I think it becomes a dangerous, our, our lives can become a dangerous argument against Christianity for people who would like some transformation, but who don't believe it's possible in following Jesus because they haven't seen anyone they know who follows Jesus who has yet been transformed. I think I think we could pull Christianity as one of the options off the table for them if they say, I've never met a Christian who's been transformed, so I guess I'll have to look elsewhere. I think there's something about being authentically broken and being transparent, like we are often in our messages, sure. and someone could say, well— if they're still struggling with that, maybe maybe they're not transformed, or maybe I'm okay that I'm not perfect, which is true. And then there's a the difference of someone who actually is just like, yeah, I'm broken, but I don't care. I actually just like sinning. I don't want to be changed. And there's that right. dichotomy of being authentic and then oblivious to wanting to do anything about it. And that's where hypocrisy, I think, comes in, which turns off a lot of people. You know, toward the end of your message, you, you talked about closing the gap between salvation and transformation you said you'll you'll need an intentional plan which is which is so true i believe uh, I, I really believe our new growth track can be a major part of that plan for people uh, week 2 of our new growth track process at journey is called step 2 is discover your design and in it we walk each person through a spiritual gifts test and a personality profile to help them know more about themselves. What what benefit do you think it has for a Christian to discover their design, to know how God has uniquely shaped and gifted each person? Well, I, I think it's extremely fulfilling, and I think it's extremely freeing. Um, one, because, because the Church of Jesus Christ and the followers of Jesus Christ, I mean, are are called to, to be all things to all people, which feels impossible if you think as an individual you are supposed to be all things to all people. But when you realize the church is made up of many members who do many different things and they have many different gifts and many different abilities, if you think, you know what, for the church to be all things to all people, I have to be what God has designed me to be to those that I interact with. And if I will do my part and if everyone else will do their part— um, then, then the world can be touched the way Jesus wants it to. His kingdom will come, his will will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. So I think knowing that you are designed to do something but not everything is freeing because a lot of people look at the dawning task of everything and think, can't do everything, so I won't do anything. It's like, no, 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 you're not supposed to do everything. You're just supposed to do something. And the something you're supposed to do is the thing you actually enjoy doing. It's the thing you've been gifted to do. It's the thing you're probably doing in life outside of your Christianity already. So you don't have to do everything. You just have to do something. You do the something that God created you to do. I think that is freeing 
But then I think there's a fulfilling part that when you do it, when you do what God has designed you to do, when you do what God has created you to do, when you do what God has called you to do, and you do it and you see him have impact in the life of other people, there is a spiritual fulfillment that, I mean, you, that you cannot find any place else on planet earth. We talk in growth track about making a difference, doing something eternal. There are very few things you do where when you go to bed, you think what just happened will last through the end of this lifetime and into the next lifetime. And we'll think about it forever. When, when you begin to do things that are eternal, um, you not only are extremely, extremely fulfilled now, but you realize you're doing what God created you to do. Um, and one day in eternity, those rewards will have gone on before you into heaven because you did exactly, you, you did exactly what God created you and called you to do in the way he called you to do it for the reason he called you to do it with the people he called you to do it with making a difference, doing something that makes a difference with people who are making a difference. Um, that's, that's the whole part of this growth track freeing. Because you're not responsible for all of it, fulfilling, because you can do the part you are responsible for, and it means more than anything in the world. And it it brings about a desire to be transformed. When I started leading a small group of young men in the youth group that you led, I started to analyze my own life, realized I've got some things I need to work on. I don't want to be a stumbling block to these young men. And it, 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 it began a real desire to want to be even more transformed. Ryan, almost everyone who begins serving— Almost everyone who ever goes on a missions trip thinks they are doing it to help somebody else, <laughs> yeah. and they end up getting more out of it themselves than anyone that they ever help. Yeah. That and that that's what that's what happens when you begin through your spiritual gifts to serve the way God has called you to do, to go where God has called you to go. Um, you think you're going to help, but you come back and you think, "Man, I got more out of that than anyone else could have possibly gotten out of it." So God uses you not only to fulfill your purpose, but to fulfill your soul while you're fulfilling your purpose. Yeah. So if you are tuning in, maybe you've heard a little bit more about this growth track and you want to get involved, don't hesitate. You can get involved right away. We'd love for you, no matter what week we're on, step one, step two, step three, step four, you can jump in at any time. It's always the first Sunday of the month is step one, et cetera, et cetera. But if you are interested, you can text Journey Growth to 474747. They'll send you a quick little easy sign up, but we would love to have you come and be a part of them. In September, they're after church at 1230. In October, they'll be during service. So um, excited about what that's going to be bringing to the people at our church. In that same closing uh, the gap section, this closing the gap section of your message, there's a part that people don't often like to talk about. You made the point you will need to eliminate some things. And you listed three, counterfeit gods, fellowship busters, and sexual immorality. Why are these things destroying people's lives, and why don't people like to talk about them? Well, I think we don't like to talk about them, one, because they're they're uncomfortable to talk about in someone else's life, as a pastor talking about them in someone else's life. They're uncomfortable to talk about in your own life, as someone who's had to deal with these things in my own life, and they are right now things in culture that culture is trying to convince you um, are not are not wrong at all. You know, when we look at Acts fifteen, when the the Gentile church began to grow, and the Jewish leaders were trying to figure out, like, hang on, these people are now worshiping our Messiah, like our Jewish Messiah. Do, 
should they become Jewish before they can become Christians? And they said, no, 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 they don't, they don't have to become Jewish before they can become Christians, but there are some things from the Jewish Old Testament. There are some morality codes that honor God or dishonor God that they should follow. And they wrote him a letter and said, listen, uh, make sure you don't eat food sacrificed to idols. That's going to be big in the first commandment, right? You're not, you're, you're not even going get, to get close to acknowledging any other gods than the God of heaven. Um, you need to make sure to abstain from, from food um, that's been strangled or from blood. That one sounds weird because it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem personally moral. But what they're saying is you are in a church with people who have dietary laws and for you to not care about them, what I, what I called fellowship buster, for you to say, I'm going to live my life in a way that I don't care if it offends or impacts anyone negatively spiritually, that's not good. That's not the heart of Jesus, so don't do that. And then keep yourself from sexual immorality. They were living in the Roman Empire where everything goes sexually. Um, you say, what exactly would that have looked like? It would have looked like America in 2020 more than likely. Um, and what we talked about Sunday is, you know, it's easier to list sex. It's easier to say what sexual morality is than to say what sexual immorality is because almost everything is sexual immorality. Sexual morality that honors God, God's design for sex is between a man and a woman who are married. Everything else is sexual immorality. So teenagers making out, sexual immorality. Single people sleeping together, sexual immorality. People looking at pornography, sexual immorality. Flirtations with people who aren't your spouse. Like, what honors God sexually is a man and a woman who are married having sex once they're married. Everything else is sexual immorality. Um, you're not going to be popular when you say that. So it's, so it's, so it's difficult to bring that into mainstream conversation. However, what I've asked people to do is if you want to grow closer to transformation for 21 days, give up sexual immorality. Whatever your brand, whatever your flavor, we all have ours, give it up. Give up sexual immorality for 21 days while you press into God. Um, give up fellowship busters, right? Like, Get over yourself, get past yourself, whatever the thing is keeping you from spiritual community, get over it for 21 days. Put others first for 21 days. It will help you be transformed. And then anything in your life that could be considered an idol, and we talked about Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods, where, you know, he talked about everything from financial security to the, you know, family identity to the success of your kids to politics, things that people put all of their security in that, if this goes well, I'll be okay. If this doesn't go well, I'm doomed. Those are idols. Anything you put all of your security in is an idol. Put all those away for 21 days. Join us for 21 days of prayer and just, like, just test me. Test, like, like Daniel and his friends said, just test for 21 days. Put away sexual immorality. Put away the fellowship busters. Put, put away any, any counterfeit gods. And just see at the end of 21 days if there isn't more transformation happening in your soul. I, I believe there will be. Easy things to talk about? No. Important things to discuss? Yes. For people who want to experience transformation spiritually. I think it really ties in great with, with this final question. Um, you know, 21 days of prayer, absolutely. Um, I want, I really hope everyone will be a part of this. Um, you know, as you near the end of your message, you reference Romans 12, 1 and 2 which says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you, then you ask the question, how do I, how do I renew my mind daily? Great question, right? A lot of people wonder that. And you give some great answers. You, you, you say time in God's word, time in prayer, time in worship. You know, I often ask, uh, Pastor Mike, who we've hashtag, hashtag, uh, nerd heard, uh, <laughs> he'll love that from, uh, some of his, uh, uh, readings, uh, I'll ask him, uh, you know, what are, what are the things that are challenging you, moving you, what books he's reading? So what, what have been some really mind renewing and transforming books or devotionals that you've read recently or, or even in your life that you would recommend in this renewing your mind theme? So just a, I mean, couple recently, and I'm probably going to stick more on the devotional side than, um, than the, than the book side. Um, so Tim Keller, who, um, I love, love to read, love to learn from, has written a one year devotional, daily devotional through the book of Proverbs. That's phenomenal. He's written one through the book of Psalms. That's phenomenal. He and his wife have just written one on marriage that is phenomenal. So those will take you through the next three years. When you finish those, my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers that we're reading with several hundred of our leaders this year, uh, at our church is absolutely phenomenal. I'm looking at reading Charles Spurgeon's, um, morning and evening next year, which is, is a morning and an evening. So it's two a day instead of one morning and evening with God every day. That's really, really good. So we're up to five years of devotion. Yeah. There's five <laughs> years of devotionals. Um, the, the 40 day, um, the 40 day circle maker prayer. Kind of book is really, really good. There's, there's Batterson. a book. Yeah. There's a book called, is it the circle maker? Circle is that maker. what it's called? And, but then there's a separate like 40 day prayer journal mm-hmm. that is the circle maker. That's really, really good that I would highly recommend to people. Um, you know, just great books. Um, you know, kind of like Christian classics. We mentioned a couple weeks ago, knowing God by J.I. Packer. Um, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan is one of the greatest books for showing a picture of what the Christian life looks like, the Christian journey um, in life looks like. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis is a phenomenal book that every Christian should read. I've got several men right now reading the book Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero, learning how to read the Bible and journal through the Bible. Um, and I mean, we, we could go on and on. That'll, that'll get every, that'll get people through the rest of the year, I would think. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually reading one by J. Oswald Sanders, Spiritual Leadership. Uh, incredible book, Spiritual uh, Leadership. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Our, le- our leaders made group is reading that in just the chapter we read this week, chapter 13, talked about how leaders should read. Absolutely. And, and it even went so far as to say leaders can't say they don't have time. They can't use that excuse. If you want to lead, you've got to be reading. Right. And actually, one of the quotes in there talked about that a leader should read at least 30 minutes a day. And I thought, that's attainable. I mean, that's not, hey, leaders have to read three hours a day. But leaders have to read at least 30 minutes a day. If they're in your Bible, if you're in a devotional, if you're in something, your mind is going to be uh, uh, growing, expanding, and you're going to be inspired. And, man, if you want the next five, six, seven years of things to read— Rewind this, write those down, take some time over the next uh, several months and years to dive into those if you want your mind to be transformed. I'll throw in a bonus question if you had something, Pastor Christian. Was there anything else you learned? Sometimes I know you don't necessarily have time to put it into the message that you wanted to uh, share with our with our audience today. Well, man, as I begin to look at this Be Transformed clip, I mean, there, there's so many scriptures that you, that you, that I wanted to point out and go through. In Isaiah chapter 40, um, Isaiah has a dialogue with God about the people of Israel 
questioning whether God cared, questioning whether God was powerful, questioning whether God was there. Um, so for, for all of our listeners, I'd love for you to go read Isaiah 40 because the people of Israel are questioning God about the small things in their life. And God's reminding him, like, I'm, I'm the one who hung the stars and calls them by name. So do you think I'm not aware of this in your life? I'm the one who has reserves of rain and snow. So do you think I'm not powerful enough to do this in your life? Um, you think that I don't know about so and so who hurt you at work, but I sit above the earth and see the whole thing. So do you think I'm not aware of that? And it, it's a, it's just a great dialogue to remind you of the greatness of God, the power of God, and really how in Christianity sometimes we blame our lack of transformation on, on, on God not being big enough. When honestly, it's we, we've got a we've got a problem seeing God as too small, not big enough. Because when we see God for who He really is, and then we trust what He's asked us to do and step into that, we do see a God that sits above the universe. We do see a God who knows where the rain and snow are stored. We do see a God who calls out the stars and holds them by place. We see a God who, at the end of that famous passage, um, can take young men who are weary and fall, and he can help them stand up and run and soar on wings like eagles. And I think that's what one, that's what we want. We want the transformation of a weary, tired soul in 2020 to get back up on our feet, to walk, if we're walking to jog, if we're jogging to run, if we're, run, if we're running to soar. I think we'd all like to say, you know what, I... Man, I'd like this year to end better than it has been going. You'd like some transformation. If you will look to the God of heaven, he offers that. He promises that. But you have to press into, like we talked about last week, knowing him. Because if you know him deeply, you will be transformed greatly. I mean, that's that's the reality. If, if you know him deeply, you'll be transformed greatly. So put in the work, press into God, and just watch what he begins to do in your life. Pastor Christian, thanks for some more great insight into activating our faith, which is, uh, again, what we want to happen in the lives of people. Um, it's Back to School Sunday, so uh, we'd love for you to, to come back to church this Sunday. Um, man, we've got services 8, 9, 30, and 11. Uh, we also have online service. If you uh, aren't able to, to come back at this time in person, you can jump on Facebook Live, YouTube, course our jci app or the website at takethejourney.cc we'd love to hear from you Uh, maybe how god's working in your life maybe how you are renewing your mind what uh, tools you're using to strengthen you Um, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc we'd love to hear from you as always we look forward to catching you next time on the activate podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.